And welcome into the Paul Farrington Show, our Sunday week four reaction. Paul joined by Robert Ziggy Ziegler at the University of Virginia and Zach Bloomquist, the best executive producer in the game. And I heard we have an audience member today. We do have an audience member, Michael Rotundo. I, I wish we had a camera on him, but well, Mike used to do the show. Get into the frame here. Yeah, you may bring my. Yeah, there's too many wires to walk over. Mike used to do the show with us. You can go back and look some of the. I mean, tough times. So I mean, Mike still had a creativity, technically. Technically, he is the head of creativity. It, it was a dark time in the, the Paul Farrington show history when Michael but, was on with us. No, nothing to do with Michael, yeah. just the... I don't know. After Michael left, everything went up. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he was good. Mike was an on-air guy. He was behind the scenes. It's it's great to have him in again, the crowd, though. Again, everything went up when he left. <laughs> no, no, no. Mike is, I think Mike every, is still every, a love yeah. member. No, everything went up when you took over as executive producer. This that was true. the turning uh, point. That's right. That's right. Michael was the executive producer for a little bit there. We'll just make and, Zach uh, feel a little bit better today, given the... Well, uh, you you got to gas up the producer or also edit things to make you look bad. Yeah. I, I mean, especially following a tough day for his Miami Dolphins, who we will get into. We're covering uh, most of the games, most of the one o'clock games, especially here today on the show. Some Dolphins bills, a little bit of the Bengals, Titans. What, what the hell's going on in Cincinnati? That is just... An absolute disaster. Some questionable decision-making from the coaches in the Bears game and the Commanders, uh, who both wind up losing this week. But we're going to start off. Man, we enjoyed it this offseason, Ziggy. We talked about the rookie quarterbacks a lot. People enjoy hearing about the rookie quarterbacks, and they are delivering right now, especially Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud will open up with the Texans. And I owe an apology. You know, I have to. I have to be willing to admit when I am wrong. And in this case... Picking the Texans-Steelers game this week, Jack and I sat here, and Jack is driving back from Auburn, which he did hit on his bet, almost saw a great upset. But we sat here and we were saying, we expect TJ Watt and the Steelers defensive line to get to CJ Stroud, make him make mistakes, and see a Pittsburgh Steelers team who has expectations, even though they're not that good. There are expectations always for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got absolutely manhandled. By the Houston Texans. And you called that, Ziggy. You called, I don't know if you called 30 to 6, but you were on the Texans this week in our game four, in our week four game picks. Just a really impressive performance on both sides of the ball for this Houston team. CJ Stroud looking sharp once again. And I mean, every week he seems to just get better and better. 16 for 30, not exactly a great completion percentage there, but 306 yards, two touchdowns. They ran all over Pittsburgh. I got after Pickett. It was a great performance for the Texans fans who were in the comments saying, just wait and you see. Uh, and, and we did. like our, I did at least. So Ziggy, I'll give you this little victory lap here because you were the lone wolf who picked the Houston Texans. Oh yeah, I mean, you mean to tell me on the day of J.J. Watt's Ring of Honor enshrinement that he the Texans weren't going to come out and win? That like J.J. Watt was just going to sit on the sidelines and let his brother take over the day? No chance. <laughs> But I mean, look, like this is an exciting time to be a Steelers fan. If you were to go back to the beginning of the season, ask Steelers fans like in your wildest wait, dreams. Wait, you mean Texans? Ex- yeah, excuse okay, me. Boy, okay. that, that's I mean, a just... tough one. No, I mean, for Texans fans, this season's going exactly how they wanted it to. Ask the Texans at the beginning of the year, like, what do you want out of the season? Here's some of the things they would have said. You want D'Amico Ryans to come with a great looking game plan every week. Show he can handle being a head coach. We want CJ Stroud to do well under pressure. We want Nico Collins to finally live up to his potential. We want the defense, particularly Will Anderson, who we gave a lot of draft capital up for to start looking like a real game wrecker. And every single one of those things is happening in Houston, right? Things are just going well for this team. CJ Stroud 
has thrown for the second most yards of any rookie quarterback or any quarterback in his first four games in NFL history. Pine only Cam Newton. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's just playing good football in tough circumstances, right? It's not like he was walking in with a great offensive line. Well, maybe he was, but almost all of them are hurt. It's not like he had an established wide receiver one. It's not like there's a run game. It's not like the defense was great last year. And suddenly they look like a team that can compete. If they win their divisional games, they will go to the playoffs. And I did not expect to say that at the start of the season. Oh, I don't think anyone did. Even Houston fans, you, like you guys can say that you were excited to see what would, was going to happen with D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. But I don't think even in your wildest dreams that you could have seen a two and two start with the way they, they've looked the past two weeks happening, especially against the Steelers, against the Jaguars. After the Ravens game in week one, I was sitting back saying, yeah, you know, like there are some highs there, but there's a lot more lows to this game. But uh, the Texans have a long way to go. I think that's what we said. They have a long way to go. D'Amico Ryans has a team that he's going to need to coach up really well to be competitive at all this year. But I mean, even beyond that. And now we're sitting here week four, going into week five next. And I'm looking at their offense saying, wow, Nico Collins, seven receptions for 168 yards and two touchdowns this week. It was just a week ago that we were talking the same way about, about Tank Dell. And still Robert Woods is in the mix. We're waiting to see John Mechie. Will he ever get back to form? Like there, there are a number of different pieces who are starting to step up for the offense and C.J. Stroud. And if Damian Pierce can get going, this was finally the day that we saw that Texans running game take a step forward. They were kind of shut down the first three weeks, but he had 24 carries for 81 yards. He was much, he was a much larger part of the game than that, though, against Pittsburgh, even getting involved in the passing game uh, for a 27-yard catch earlier on. I, yeah, I'm watching right now C.J. Stroud, and we talk about Ryan Day in Ohio State when he was there, and he kind of... Had the had the uh, I would say the handcuffs on a bit. It wasn't until that Ohio that Georgia game at the end of the year where we finally saw Ryan Day say, "You know what? Go out and make plays. Like go out there, use your legs, scramble around a little bit." And that's the CJ Stroud we're seeing now, the playmaker, not someone who's just going to sit in the pocket and kind of pick apart weak college football defenses. It's we're seeing an impressive CJ Stroud, and as you look up and down this schedule for the Texans. I know that we, we always say don't put too much into schedule because you don't know what's going to happen. It's there, man. Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Bucks, Bengals who are struggling, Cardinals, Jaguars, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. I mean, that is very winnable. Most of those games are very winnable for the way Houston's playing at the moment. You got to be excited. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing, right, whenever rookie quarterbacks come in, people immediately start making excuses whenever things don't go well. And sometimes you hear this from the players, too. Like, I'm not trying to poop all over Justin Fields, but he come in and he says, oh, the coaching's not good. The receivers, they got me. We're struggling. The offense just isn't built to my strengths. CJ Stroud, he's on the third string left tackle week three. And it's just, all right, guys, I'm going to go out and win us some football games. Right now, they've won two in a row. They're going to try and carry that. Uh, I believe they're in London next week playing the Falcons. Yeah, I believe they are. No, Atlanta's, Atlanta's not. No way. Because Atlanta was in London last week or this week. I'm not sure. In any case. Yeah. So set that aside. Look, the, the Texans, they're a good team. They're playing well. There aren't any excuses on either side of the ball. And I mean, if you beat the Jaguars by 20, you beat the Steelers by 24. Like, this is a team that's really starting to take shape with a lot of strengths. I can definitely see good things for them in the future. So you would say, just to wrap up the Texan side of this here, 
the playoffs are on in Houston? Are the playoffs on? I don't know. Right. But like every single team in this division is two and two. It's wide open. Anyone can win here. I think is the important thing, regardless of playoffs. This season is going exactly how you would script it up, script it up. If you were a Texans fan, hoping for things to be good, basically the opposite of the Steelers, actually the Steelers, mm-hmm. basically anything that could go wrong for them has gone wrong at this point in the season. So it is exciting to just have a functional team with a good promising quarterback and good coaching. We haven't been able to say that about the Texans for a few years now. And that's a great way to go over to the Steelers. And it's too bad Jack's not here to talk about this one because he was emphatic about Pittsburgh dominating. I believe I his, think he thought it was going to go the other way. I believe he said, Steelers. Yeah, I believe he said Stroud struggles would have been his headline on Monday morning when you open up your paper. And Pittsburgh, it's tough. Like the Steelers, again, for a team that had expectations, their fan base was excited. They all talked about the week schedule and getting to double digit wins. They were tied for first, or they were basically in first with the tiebreaker in the AFC North going into this game. And now you watch the way they play today, even against Cleveland. I didn't think they looked very good in that win. They had two defensive touchdowns. They should have lost to the Browns, probably. They can't get anything going on offense. Is it is it time to make some changes if you're Mike Tomlin? I don't know what else you do. Like, here is the you thing that Canada. Def- the, this, the Steelers will not fire Canada. They simply do. The Steelers, like if there's any organization that does things a particular way, it is the Steelers. They simply do not fire, fire coordinators in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that you're not going to see the changes you want if you're a Steelers fan this year. That's just not coming. But it's tough to feel like the season isn't going to be wasted, right? This is the second game where they've scored fewer than s- seven or fewer points. Right, they scored seven against the 49ers, six against the Texans. As you said, that they've relied on the defense to do a whole lot of work for them. And I mean, they've got a difficult schedule. It's very plausible that they'll miss the playoffs, Ziggy, even with the AFC North not looking great. They rely on the defense, and the defense hasn't even been that good this season. They're getting so, so uncharacteristic of Pittsburgh. They're getting dominated on the offensive and defensive line. And they're just getting pushed around. And Houston did that all day today. In in terms of league-wide standing, Pittsburgh's third worst in rushing. At least they were heading into week four. And they were allowing the third most rushing yards per game at 151.7 going into this week. They allowed 139 today. It's... They can't win on the lines. They can't... And today was probably the best rushing game of the season for Najee and, and crew. But they can't do anything. And Pickett's under pressure all the time. He's getting hit. He got banged up at the end of this one. Deontay Johnson's injured. Cam Hayward's been injured. Uh, it's a disaster right now in Pittsburgh. It's, it's, I know they're two and two, but it, it, you can't look a, a lot worse than they did today. Here, I think that when you talk about the line struggling and the run game struggling, I think this is a good point. Because when you look at the Steelers, you have to ask them yourself, like, what is this team's identity? Because this team's just too talented to be bad. Right. Even if you don't believe in like Najee Harris, they've got, I still believe like George Pickens, Calvin Austin, like Allen Robinson, they've got good receivers. They've got good players on defense. TJ Watts, good. Fitzpatrick is good. Like, no, this team's too talented to suck. So at a certain point, the Steelers need to develop an identity and execute it. But I just don't know how you do that with how things have played out. They've tried to be a run first team that dominates the trenches, it's not working. When they try and open things up for Kenny Pickett, it tends to not go super well. I don't know what the way forward is for. It's uh, 
you can't really you can't blow anything up in Pittsburgh. Like we'll, we'll make that clear because you're you're in that again. We said before that competitive rebuild to a degree with Kenny Pickett. You're waiting to for him to take that step forward, which we haven't seen this season. And it's disappointing because no one puts too much stock in the preseason, but it was exciting watching him go down the field in the preseason, looking so sharp, so accurate. Uh, and that just hasn't been the case in the regular season. Now, I, I, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm not believing anything until I, until this offense takes some step forward because it's it's been ugly. The secondary has not been very good. Devontae Adams went for almost 200 yards on you a week ago. It's uh, This is just an average AFC team. It may be, may be average. No, and you have to feel bad, right? Because the Steelers... Like the AFC North is weaker than we thought it was going to be, right? People are expecting this to be a juggernaut division. Well, the Bengals have looked terrible. The Browns' offense is awful. Yeah, the Bengals have looked the worst. The Ravens are beatable. Like at a certain point, you have to hope this is the moment when the Steelers can step in, scrap their way back into games and make it work. But the moment, I think, that just tells you that the Steelers team, as they are, is doomed. It was fourth and one in the third quarter. The Steelers were trying to mount a comeback. And they have to put Kenny Pickett into shotgun because you can't run and you can't play action. You know what Tomlin said about that? Is that after the play the he game? got hurt on? Yeah. Yeah. You know what Tomlin said about that after the game? What do you say? It was actually closer to a yard and a half. <laughs> no, no, like they it's, have no, it's they have no belief. And Jack said this a million times. At third and one, fourth and one, they just get stuffed every single time. It happened. It happened earlier in the game in third and one. Uh, Warren got got mauled by four guys two yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's uh. They got outgained 450 to 225, doubled up yeah, by the Houston they, Texans. Just, just a disaster for the Steelers. They that's, have to, uh, they have to get better. Yeah, that's great, great advice from Ziggy here. They have to get better. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson now. A valiant effort from Richardson and the Colts to come back. They're down 20 nothing at halftime, 23-0 midway through the third quarter, um, but they ultimately fall short against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Let's start off with the Rams here. It was. Uh, a Puka Nakua day. He is my guy. I love Puka as much as I've loved any fantasy player I've ever had. He finishes the day. Nine receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. His first touchdown of the season coming in overtime to really walk it off here. Listen to these numbers real quick before we get into more of the Rams. But for Puka, he's had games of 15 receptions for 147 yards, 10 receptions, 119, and now nine for 163 in a touchdown. In the absence of Cooper Cup, He's just been sensational. And other guys like Tutu Atwell have stepped up. Kyron Williams, uh, his first 100-yard rushing day, a big day for a Notre Dame guy. Uh, He had two scores as well. This Rams team, I have to give kudos to you once again. You were the only one on the show who really believed in them at all coming into this season. And while the NFC West still feels a little bit like a stretch because of how good the 49ers are, and Christian McCaffrey has four touchdowns right now, maybe even five by the time this is. This could be five. They're at the one. Is he? Is he, he might score a fifth. Oh my god! So, 49ers look unbeatable at the moment. But as far as playoffs go, Matthew Stafford looks awesome, and the defense has been a lot better than people expected. Are Are you feeling? How, how are you feeling? If you're a Rams fan, you have to be like, all right, like this is way better than expected. I have no idea how this Rams team lost to the Bengals. I'm going to be honest. They like mull the Seahawks week one. They had played a close game against the 49ers. Then they lose to the Bengals. I'm, I'm not quite sure how that happened. But no, I mean, you have to be excited a little bit as a Rams fan. Matthew Stafford, you know, he's not quite playing at quite an MVP level, but it's close. He is playing very, very good football. The offense is functioning well. 
the defense that's full of, you know, they were being called like a defense of no names. People were saying it's a bunch of rookies and first time players. What are they ever going to do? I think I may have said that exact quote. Yeah, they're playing well together, right? Aaron Donald is sort of leaning the unit. Guys like Ernst Jones, and I told you to watch out for him. No one believed me. Russ Yeast <laughs> is consistently making plays. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, no, there's there's a good team to be had here. You know, are they the best team in the NFL? No. But they've got a real chance at making the playoffs in the NFC. If they're able to beat the Seahawks, they beat the Cardinals, they win a few more games. Oh, absolutely. Like, 10 wins will get you there in the NFC. Absolutely. And Matthew Stafford has looked pretty good. Now, we'll see. He got a little banged up in this game. And Stafford, always so tough, even going back to his Detroit days. You remember these plays. Remember against the Browns when he I'd like dislocated his shoulder or something? I don't know. It was something crazy and threw the two-point conversion to win that game. Uh, or I can't remember how it played out, but Stafford's shown toughness time and time again. He does again today. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, the stats here. Time of possession, 40 minutes to 24 in favor of the Rams. They outgained them by about 140 yards. It, it was a pretty dominant Rams performance up until that frantic fourth quarter comeback by Richardson. But I'm watching the Rams at the moment. And if Cooper Cup can come back and stay healthy, if Stafford can stay healthy, I mean, this team... I'm not going to call them a threat to go far in the NFC, but they're absolutely a threat to get to the playoffs. And and probably when you look at the landscape of the NFC at the moment, you know, you have to imagine they can very easily sneak in as the six or the seven seed. So it's been impressive. Yeah. And you talk about how good this Rams team is, but I do have to say, it seems to me that it was clear that for basically every moment he was on the field, Anthony Richardson was the best player. Oh, he looked like an absolute superstar. I get that he completed 44% of his passes and that number like doesn't sound great if you're just looking at the box score. But if you put it in context of that game, he looked like a special player the whole Absolutely. time. Absolutely. It was midway through the third quarter. The Rams were, were up big, outgaining him 300 to 100 in total yards. And then kind of that switch flipped and they had the first touchdown, got an interception, got back in the game. Uh, but Richardson to me, yeah, that entire fourth quarter just looked every bit of what you want to see if you're a Colts fan. He, I mean, just throwing some lasers in there. He just looked comfortable in the pocket, moving around, creating plays, extending plays, and not just looking to run, but pushing the ball downfield when, once he got out of the pocket. And, of course, a threat with his legs. That, By the way, the spike he had on his rushing touchdown, I talked about it when we were at my house watching the games. The be- Maybe the best spike I've ever seen from a f- professional football player. I mean... The 360 spike was just unbelievable. They have an absolute dog in Indianapolis. This guy is so fun to watch. Absolutely. I'll tell you what stood out to me the most watching that game is people are saying, oh, you know, it's going to be a hard time benching him because Gardner Minshew has played so well. The Rams lived in that backfield, right? They had two credits. They had six tackles for loss. But if it was Gardner Minshew back there, it could have been seven or eight sacks because Richardson did such a good job with his strength and his legs avoiding sacks, right? This guy is very difficult to tackle. He's difficult to get in the backfield and a sack many times is about as bad as an interception. Mm-hmm. If it's third down and you get sacked, you might as well have thrown a pick, honestly, the way the NFL works. So the fact that you can avoid those kinds of plays. And then on the flip side, when it's first and goal, second and goal, be a threat with his legs, be a threat with his arm, big gain, short gain, anywhere Anthony Richardson can do it. It's exciting. And every now and then he does have, he still has a few throws. There was one in particular on third down to Michael Pittman. I can't remember what quarter it was, uh, but it was to the left side of the field. 
and he just you know missed a wide open Pittman, and I, and I was just watching the game going, damn, like that's the throw he needs to be able to make consistently. And every quarterback has has a couple throws that are just off, like that that's going to happen during a game. Um, but it was really the way he threw the ball in the fourth quarter, just lasering them in, I, like looked really impressive to me. And they should have won the game. They he made the throw to win the game. It was just dropped by Granson um, towards the end to get it to the forty yard line. It would have put them in position to maybe kick a game-winning field goal. Uh, I'm really happy if I'm a Colts fan, even though this is a disappointing loss. It's a wild comeback, an unbelievable comeback, and Jonathan Taylor is set to return next Wednesday, or this coming Wednesday. So if he he winds up playing, I mean, that Colts offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the reinforcements are coming. Ryan Kelly's coming back. Jelani Woods is coming back. Jonathan Taylor is coming back. And like... I'll tell you, because I'm, I'm at UVA. I got to see it with uh, Jelani Woods was a star here. He absolutely made a difference when he was on the field. Well, like, have you seen guy. this guy's athletics? You, you talk about him all the time. I mean, the dude is, he's the Anthony Richardson of tight ends. <laughs> he's 6'7", 250, ran a 4'6", He is the Anthony Richardson of tight ends. It is true, though. If you're a Colts fan, it, it's, it's fine to be disappointed by this, but you really do have a guy right now. I mean, he... If he's able to stay healthy because he got he got banged up week two, and today he took a couple of hits where you're like, oh, get up, get up. As long as he can stay healthy, which I do have my concerns around given the number of hits he's taking and the number of uncomfortable hits that he's taking. Dude, when he's on the field, just an absolute stud. And the, the AFC South is wide open. Oh, yeah. I mean, his best play this season, no doubt. Uh, he was at the 20-yard line. This was like in the fourth quarter when the comeback was getting started, second and 20. In the middle of a tackle from Aaron Donald, he threw the ball 40 yards downfield to Alec Pierce for a dot. No, it's amazing. I mean, on the one hand, incredible pass. On the other hand, he's getting tackled by Aaron Donald. But I'll say this. You know, I'm not a Colts fan. I can't speak to their psychology too much. I don't think Colts fans are going to be disappointed by this. You know, it sucks to lose, right? You always want to lose the game. But Colts fans, I think, knew going into the season that this was the Anthony Richardson development season. I don't think you can be any – after what they've seen at quarterback – the past few years, yeah, I don't think you can be anything but excited for what Anthony Richardson is doing. Let me ask you this. I'll put you on the spot for a second. Between the Colts and the Texans right now, both AFC South teams, both with top five rookie quarterbacks who are playing both very two well. And two. Both two and two. Who who are you more excited for right now? Boy, that's a good question. Honestly, if I had to pick who I'm more excited for, I think I'd have to say the Colts just because I think Anthony Richardson is the more exciting player. I know. Like, like, there's the Texans- there's nobody in the NFL that can do that. Like, C.J. Stroud is playing well, don't get me wrong, but at a certain point, like, he's playing like a good quarterback in the NFL could. Anthony Richardson is doing things that we've never seen before in the league. I don't know about never seen, but like... Oh, I, I have never seen someone through a 40-yard dot in the middle of a sack from Aaron Donald. <laughs> I've never. Have you ever seen? I mean, that? Colts fans are going to love hearing this, right? I, no, I've not seen that for a specific situation, but I'm sure there are a number of guys who can look. I mean, not, not a yeah. lot, though. He is one of the most athletically exciting quarterbacks of all time. Here's what I hope. Here's my takeaway from this. Remember in the offseason when everyone was talking about those stupid S2 tests? Yes. And I kept telling everyone, like, it's done by grifters. The doctors, like, these people are out to scam you. Don't listen to them. Everyone said, oh, C.J. Stroud did terrible on his S2. He's going to suck. Anthony Richardson did terrible on his S2. He's going to suck. Bryce Young, that guy nailed the S2. He's going to be an elite NFL yeah, quarterback yeah, from day one. Bryce. He's, he's got a difficult hand out there in Carolina. 
oh, like CJ Stratt doesn't have a difficult hand. Like I'd Anthony have, Richardson I'd doesn't have, have a difficult I'd hand. I'd rather have their weapons than Carolina's. I think that is only true because of how CJ Stratt is made. That, and that 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 could be very true as well. So like it was beginning of the season, right? Bryce Young, I, I get that this isn't like a Bryce Young show, but since we're talking rookie quarterbacks, we can talk for a second about Bryce Young. Right, beginning of the season, you go through his weapons, you go through CJ Stroud's weapons. Who looks better? Everyone said the Panthers. Whose offensive line looks better? Maybe you say Texans, but once they have three starters out, you say the Panthers. Oh, come on. The Colts the Colts the Colts offensive line it played poorly last year, but everyone expected them to rebound. I'm just, yeah, I'm just talking about the Texans here. Oh, are you just comparing the Texans and Yeah, the I mean then the Colts, you say, okay, well, their offensive weapons aren't great, but at least they have Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look. I'm not trying to, I'm not saying Bryce Young is the worst player ever. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying next off season, we better hear less about the S2 because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. This is more of a beef with the, the S2 test than anything else. This is my, me defending my boy, CJ Stroud, who I said was going to be good. He's been good. And you're right. He's been awesome. Unfortunately, Zach, we ha- we do have to go here. And I apologize. Well, we don't to have you. to. You guys just want to. Uh, I want to. I want yeah, to. See? see, there it is. Ziggy, Ziggy wants to. We don't the biggest game to of the there. weekend took place in Buffalo. And look, we're, we we root for the Dolphins. Like, there's no sugarcoating it. We've been fins, fins up, up we, in we, we all love, week. We love fins up on this show. It was not a good. <laughs> it was not a good day in Buffalo. 48-20. The Bills, I mean, just pound. Any any. any any verb you want to use it's like just mauled destroyed uh it was a bad day to be a dolphins fan and it was a bad day to watch zach be in pain all day because he was just running around saying oh my god he was furious ziggy i wish you could have seen it zach was absolutely furious at halftime and it was really a a good first half up until the final what five minutes or so two minutes two minutes yeah it was i mean it was back and forth 14 14 the next thing you know 31 14 going into the break and it just it, it felt like uh, you know all the wind was taken out of the Dolphins' sails. It w- w- what's really tough for me, and we could start with the Dolphins here. It feels like in all of these really big games, and a lot of times they do seem to be on the road, but in these big games, sometimes against San Francisco, against Buffalo, they just it starts to crumble. The defense the defense can't get stops when they have to. Tua gets under pressure. There's an interception, a fumble. It's kind of the same story, and you said that in the basement, right, Zach? You were like, it's, it feels like the same story every time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah, okay? Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. I just feel like we always play scared during these big moments. It's and that and that's part of the problem is with this Miami team. I think they're really good, and they can beat the crap out of average teams. In the we they put hung seventy on a shitty team in the Broncos, but they can really dominate anyone until they get to that big game. I still don't trust them against the top dogs in the league. And last year, all the games were close against Buffalo. The three games were decided by eight points. And I, I mean, great, great football games. But this time, they just got spanked. And it's I, I want to believe that they can be a top-tier contender. And I know we're all calling them the best team in football a week ago. But until they can go and beat one of the big boys, especially on the road, which is harder, easier said than done, I'm just not ready to say, like, ah, okay, Maybe, is Buffalo just a tier above them? So... Here's the thing. What, what did we say off, all offseason was going to be the problem for the Dolphins? The answer was the defense. This game, the offense was good enough. I'm not saying the offense was perfect, right? You had that unfortunate two interception the second half. You had the Raheem Mostert fumble. But like the team, the offense was basically good enough to win the game. 
the problem was that the defense just couldn't stop the Bills, mm-hmm. right? Whenever Josh Allen wanted to score, I mean, he just went 21 for 25, 300 passing yards, four touchdowns. He was amazing today. Another rushing touchdown. Latavius Murray, somehow he got new legs in him. Gabe Davis, like all, all the Bills players. Dude, played Diggs play. had six catches for 120 and three touchdowns. Diggs yeah, was amazing. I mean, yeah, I... It was a great game from the Buffalo offense, but the Dolphins defense just has to be better. There's no way around it. Right. And, you know, some of that scheme, some of its players, some of it's getting used to things. But at a certain point, if your defense is going to give up three touchdowns to Stefan Diggs, if the secondary can't disrupt, like the secondary can't make plays, the pass rush isn't getting there. The Bills are just going to own this division and the Dolphins aren't going to be able to beat anyone in the playoffs. Right. Who do you have to beat? You have to beat the Chiefs and the Bills if you want to make it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Both those teams have quarterbacks that will devour you if you don't have a good pass rush and a good secondary. So I worry a little bit about the Dolphins. Now, you know, this was to the far range of outcomes. Things went bad for the Dolphins. I think their offense plays a little bit better, gets a little bit luckier in some other games. But they're certainly not going to be favored the next time they have to play the Bills, even at home. And, well, and look to, as you said, this, it just went wrong today. It was two turnovers. There's two was sacked four times. Basically anything that could go wrong starting in that what three minute period in the second quarter basically started to go wrong for Miami and just got away from them. And I don't want people to think that we're just trashing my, the Dolphins. I think they're a really good football team. They're probably a tier two team. But when I compare them to the Bills or the Eagles or the 49ers, you could probably still you still have to keep the Chiefs in there because they're the defending Super Bowl champions. How confident are you in Miami being able to beat those teams? And I'm not there yet. So here's here's the thing, right? Today, Josh Allen was on. And when Josh Allen is on, he is a very difficult quarterback to beat. When he's on, there's one quarterback in the National Football League better than him. That's Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, when Josh Allen is not on, we saw what happened against the Jets. Yep. Now, the Jets yep. defense, like, that's better than the Bills, or better than the Dolphins defense, excuse me. But Josh Allen still threw for three interceptions that game. It's not like he was lighting things up. So I think the Dolphins, like, they won't be favored in these games. They can but win, the op- sure. Yeah, they absolutely can, right? We're not talking about the Bears here. This is a team with an offense that can perform very well, and you don't want to overreact to one bad beating. Overreacting to one game is exactly why people said that the Dolphins were going to go into Buffalo and win by fifty. Yeah. Is it, is it, are you are you looking at Zach? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Look, <laughs> sorry. Zach. You, you, look, it's Zach gets to be a fan of a great NFL team this year with a revitalized offense, an excellent head coach, a fun quarterback, two star receivers. They're everything the Vikings are. So I feel yeah, I do feel a little jealous. Zach, would you like to give a, a real quick takeaway on, on the Dolphins? Because you, I mean, you watch this game closer than than the rest of us do. You have more interest, more rooting interest. I just every time we play Buffalo, oh man, we play scared. This is a scarred person, and this I, I don't know what it is. I feel like every time we play Buffalo, it's like the offensive line gets like the fear of God in them. And I mean, you, you, your eyes are dead right now. Yeah, you look uh, like you just saw. A, a ghost because because this is the exact same story and i'm done with i'm, I'm done with it i'm completely done with at least last year in. you competed with them yeah we competed last year you like we, did, we didn't look dumb we looked like we we could do it and then for some reason this year we go into buffalo mm-hmm. and next thing i know the offensive line looks like they're scared of their you did have some injuries today right armstead went down armstead went down we didn't have 
Uh, Thank God, Ty- the Tyreek. I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember all of a sudden nothing. I turned around here. Zach going, no, no, no. When Tyreek Hill was grabbing his knee, luckily nothing serious there. Yeah, they just knocked knees. Hey, you know, I mean, it's it's one week. Like that's the thing about football. People overreact. Like I, I'm right here saying the Dolphins. You know, I I wouldn't put them tier one. A lot oh, of people would still blow. would. No, I don't. I think they're very good. But people overreacted. Like a week ago, they were the best team in the league. Today, people are saying they're not tier one, like I am. So, sometimes you just have to like focus up and say, okay, you know what? Very good team. They caught a, a buzzsaw in Buffalo at the moment. I, th- I think Jerome Baker, the linebacker for the Dolphins, said it best. You know, he was asked in an interview how he felt about the game today. He said this, I'm tired of losing to Buffalo. And that was it. Like, I'm sure the Dolphins are sick with this, right? Because, you know, losing to Buffalo sucks, but losing to Buffalo like this is worse. Yeah. They're just going to have to get it together. And I think they will. Right. Don't count the dolphins out. Don't overreact. Right. I just want to put it out there. I think there was only like literally you could probably count less than a hundred dolphins fans at that game. Yeah, it's, a, it's a long trip from Miami yeah. to Buffalo. And really, Zach, you're winning in that regard. I'd rather live in Miami than Buffalo. Right. Yeah, you're right. Nothing against Buffalo. Like we live in cold weather areas too. Let's talk about the Bills real quick though. Josh Allen. Going into this was eight and two against Miami, and this kind of proves your point about I'm tired of losing to Buffalo. He was five and zero against the Dolphins at home uh, with 17 touchdowns, 112.7 passer rating, 37.4 points per game. So they kind of hit that right on the money with. Uh, oh, I just got to put it out there too. Where was Xavier Howard that entire game? Why was he not on digs at all that entire game? We had our second cornerback on him, Cater Kohu. I don't know. Oh, uh, no. Well, no. So this Vic Fangio actually in an interview earlier this week, like explained why in his defense, they're like elite cornerbacks don't just shadow the best receivers. The answer is the reason that he does it is that he thinks that Howard plays better on the left side of the field. Obviously, that didn't work. So (laughs) they're waiting for Jalen Ramsey, man. They need him there. But Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, 37.4 points per game against the Dolphins at home. 48 today. He he did look, we said at the top of this segment here, he looked amazing. He was making plays all over the place. I remember when the Vikings went to Buffalo last year. Sometimes they just feel unstoppable. Like You can't do anything about it when they get rolling. And with the way their defense has been as well throughout the past couple weeks, I mean, throughout the season, really, they're the best team in football, in my opinion. It, it's them and the 49ers are, are jostling back and forth for that number one spot. Zach has now plugged his ears. He. And I am muted because he is tired of hearing the Buffalo good news. Uh, but look at this team, Ziggy. The past three weeks, not even close. The Commanders, the Raiders, the Dolphins, all falling victims. It's really just an explosive offense and a, a stifling defense. And it's all coming from Josh Allen, right? Like this team is not supporting with the run game. You'll look at the Bills and see 100 rushing yards and think, okay, you know, he had something there. Well, 20 of those rushing yards were Josh Allen. So really it's 80. And James Cook was 12 carries for 29 yards. If you take out Latavius Murray's like one or two good runs, you're talking about, yeah, he had a 30 yard run. Otherwise he was three for two. Damian Harris was six for 29. Like this run game does nothing. It is all Josh Allen's arm that is propping up this offense. So he's one of the few guys in the NFL where you just sort of put him on an offense and give him a receiver and he'll take over. It's got to be nice to experience that in Buffalo. I was going to say, yeah, it's got to be nice to experience that in general. Like for anyone, it's uh, he's amazing. Like you said, there's only 
one guy in the league who can probably match him when when they're on, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, it's a good time to be a Bills fan. Great day to be a Bills fan. Sorry, Zach. You'll, you'll get your chance at them in Miami, and you beat them there last year. That'll, that'll be a big game. It was nice that you had the game up going into this one, at least. One, one Bills player to shout out. Major shout out to Greg Russo. Um, he's had a couple tough seasons, right? His rookie year wasn't great. His sophomore year wasn't great. Two sacks this year. He had like a 20-something yard sack on Mitch Trubisky last week. Just he's played very well. There you go. Nice shout out from Ziggy right there. All right, a couple more here to go over. Bengals, Titans. What the hell's going on in Cincinnati? I said that at the top of the show here. I mean, they, they cannot get it figured out. They they go into Tennessee, and we picked the Titans. Most of us picked the Titans. I believe, Zach, were you on? You were the one on the Bengals? Probably. Me and Jack were on the Bengals originally, and then we realized, oh, wait, we're, we're a Titans podcast. And we're not, we're not really a Titans podcast, but we're fans of the Titans from their comment and our TikTok video. So we all switched over to Tennessee to join Ziggy at 27-3. Another, another absolute mauling against the Bengals. And it's, it's weird to see this, but if Joe Burrow is as hurt as people are saying on the broadcast and as injured as he looks sometimes on the field, I know that they're 1-3 and three and they have a tough schedule coming up. But you, you have to consider sitting him if, if the offense can't move, right? Absolutely. So two things. First of all, it is absolute BS that you guys got to switch to the Bengals or to the Titans off the Bengals. I lone wolf them on the podcast. That lone wolf was rightly mine. Well, then I, but, th- but then, then I realized like, wait a second, I picked the Titans to win the AFC South. So I had, to yeah, finish. I'm just saying that, that, that was crap. So <laughs> getting that out of the way, it was nice to see Derrick Henry back, but you asked about Joe Burrow. So we can talk about Joe Burrow for a second. It's not good. Now, T. Higgins did get hurt pretty early on into the game. But with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, you should be able to get things done. It's concerning to see him throwing for 165 yards, right? He looked good against the Rams last week, but not even that great. And otherwise has really struggled. I don't know how much longer you can keep trotting him out there behind a weak offensive line to not produce and get blown out. Look, outside right? This of, is, yeah, outside of Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd, four for 26. Higgins got hurt, you said, but two for 19. Tanner Hudson, two for 18. Like Joe Mixon, 14 carries, 67 yards. The offense is just non-existent. And Zach, you said Jamar Chase was pissed off after the game, right? Yeah. He, um, what do you say? He said, uh, the reporter asked him, I guess, Are you open? Yeah. I don't know if he asked him if he was open, but he was like, he, he basically, Jamar was like, I'm always open. And he goes, I'm always F word open. Sheesh. I, frustrations are mounting. In Cincinnati, and I know we mentioned it a week ago, but remember, we talked about Jamar Chase saying, "Oh, you could sit Joe for the first five weeks, and then he, he comes back in, and we're ready to go." Like, maybe, maybe he was right because it, it's just about as bad as it could be for the Bengals right now. The only only saving grace is that they were able to win that game against the Rams on Monday Night Football. But I'm, I'm looking at this first. Like, here's their drives for the game: a field goal. They look good to start. Field goal. Then punt, 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 end of half, fumble, punt, turnover on downs. I mean, that is just inexcusable (laughs) against a Titans team that really hasn't been that good. They look good against the Chargers, but against the Saints, they didn't look good. The Titans, they got whooped by Cleveland last week. No, and I mean, last year, the Bengals lost one game by more than three points. Right, that was that really awful week eight Cleveland game. But otherwise, every single game they either won or lost by three or two points. 
That's it. So this is a team that knows how to be competitive. You think it was in their DNA, but then you see them. This is their second time. Like how different is this? Like, well, this was 27 to three. The Browns game was 24 to three, but getting absolutely clobbered out there. Offensively and be defensively. I think the, the Ravens game wasn't even good either. It's like the defense has normally been very good, but they're getting, they're just getting destroyed on both sides of the ball, Baltimore, Tennessee, and Cleveland. All whooped them. The the bank the Ravens score was a three point game, but that game was not as close as the final score indicated. Yeah. And the Ravens have like eight injuries. Yeah, yeah, it, it is dire in Cincy right now because no, you look ahead, and I'm I'm almost ready to say that like they're done. And I know it's week four, huge overreaction probably, but I'm looking ahead here. They they're at Arizona next week, and who who knows? You know, you should beat the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have proven to be a tough out for a lot of people. Then you got the Seahawks, the Niners, the Bills, the Texans who are playing well, the Ravens, Steelers, the Jaguars, and Colts. I mean, like, if you're one and three right now, that's at least probably three or four more losses there. And in the AFC, who knows if you can get in? Like, this is it, it's dire. It's it is tough to make the playoffs once you're one and three. It just is, and they've got that first place schedule, right? They've got to play the 49ers. They've got to play the Bills. Like they have tough, they have to play the Chiefs. They have to play the Vikings. School. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the Vikings, I mean, but we'll the rest of those lose. teams, they have to play the two best teams in the AFC and the best team in the NFC. It is tough to see how this team is supposed to be competitive. I said it during the Rams segment. It's hard to see how they even beat the Rams. It's a miracle they didn't start zero and four. And if they did start zero and four, the season would be over. Like, so you, I don't know. Are you like Joe Burrow next week? Like, what? What do you? Yeah, you, you at, at what point do you give up on the season? Joe Burrow. No, you can't not give up on the season. Yeah, you can't. Not yet. You, no, like, but one and three is bad. But you can't give no, up. But on here's the, season. Thing. the second you bench Joe Burrow, season's over. There's no question about it. And Joe Burrow's not getting healthier out there, right? You might have thought after last week that this calf injury was going to like somehow just magically recover and he'd reclaim that magic. Well, Joe Burrow's not getting any better. Right, he's 20 for 30, 165 yards, zero touchdowns. They're all saying the on running the broadcast too. They're, they're saying on the broadcast, like he he does not look the same. I think what I might do, Ziggy, depending on how he looks this week in practice, and you know, we're not there at practice, we don't see what's going on. They play the Cardinals next week. I might roll the dice. See, like obviously it depends on medical feedback, but sit him for a week, have him come back at home against the Seahawks, and you know, hope he can beat the Cardinals with Jake Browning. Because you can't keep throwing him out there. He like he might get hurt worse. We saw what happened to Rodgers with his he had hamstring problems. He tore towards Achilles. I guess the worst case scenario for the Bengals, even worse than losing a game, is losing Burrow on an Achilles injury. So I I, I might give him a week and say like, all right, like yeah. let's try and get this one and then come back because he clearly does not look like himself. But they're not going to do that, right? Oh, they had Joe Burrow play this entire game out. Yeah, which is. This is this is what makes me think that this is a team that is in real danger of losing the locker room and losing the season is in fact, right? The Titans were up 24 to zero or 24 to three at halftime going into the fourth quarter. It was 27 to three. There's no reason to keep trotting out your injured quarterback to get hit over and over again. Oh, every single every time he went out on the field, it was like you'd hear Burrow gets hit, Burrow gets hit, Burrow sacked. It was I mean, there were like there were fumbles yeah. there. It, it, it looked, there was looked no, really bad. The offensive there was line no, has been yeah. dreadful. There was no reason to trot this guy out. They did anyway. At a certain points, I really worry about how things are going. It's not good to have players publicly mad. It seems like it's a disaster in Jeez. Cleveland. 
or in Cincinnati. Boy, I've been all over the place today. It's the exact opposite Sorry, of Tennessee. We're bouncing, we're bouncing Somehow, somehow this Titans team is winning games. Hey, tighten up, man. I, I'm I'm pumped. That, like, AFC South is really is open for anyone. And when the Titans are on, they look good. I, even the, even yeah. though even though they can be off really badly. No. They one week they lose twenty seven to three to the Browns. The next week they win twenty seven to three against the Bengals. It's weird. They played both sides of this in two yeah, weeks. It's, yeah, it's really weird. Who knows what's going on? But they're they're not really a fun team to watch. I'd say. But when they're on, they just are hard-nosed. They can run it down your throat. They're just bigger and stronger than you some some weeks. Uh, let's close out here with just those two kind of questionable or debatable calls from coaches. Uh, and the Bears-Broncos, we'll start with that one. It looked like a great day to be a Chicago Bears fan. For the first time in, what, a year, you were about to win a football game. There's that great graphic that came out with the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and uh, the MLS of all the teams since Elon Musk has bought Twitter for who has won a single game. And you see the circle around every single team across all five sports. Because of course, it's been a year. It's been a year. Of course, of course you should win one game. And outside of the circle is just one team, (laughs) the Chicago Bears, who are in the process of having your quarterback complain in press conferences, your defensive coordinator could be in a hell of a lot of trouble. We don't know what's going on there. Your wide receiver hates it there. Wide receiver's miserable. Did you you hear what Chase Claypool, this whole drama? What, is is there more with Claypool too? Matt Eberflus said Chase Claypool didn't show up. Chase Claypool says he was told not to come to the game. So they can't even agree on the story of whether Chase Claypool was invited to play football yeah, today or not. Receivers are mad. Yeah, they get lawnmowers stolen. Yeah, right, hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment stolen. I mean, just an absolute disaster of a season for Chicago. But for a moment, for a moment in time, <laughs> you are beating the crap out of Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. Which, again, 2010 NFC Championship game seems really difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah right now <laughs> now Zach can smile for a second, get his mind off of the Bills game. Well, look, there is there is nothing for quarterback development like playing this Broncos defense. They will make anyone look good. Well, we said they gave up 17, then 35, then 70 points. We were expecting a 140-point performance from uh, Justin Fields in Chicago today. And uh, they weren't really on track for that. But 28-7, looking pretty good late in the third quarter. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Denver's offense starts clicking a little bit. Fumble return for a touchdown. It's like, can the Bears have nice things? No. They can't. And you know what? I'm not complaining. I'm a Vikings fan. I'm tired of hearing Bears fans talk about how good they were all offseason. You stink. It's okay. But still, to have it unfold the way it did against the Broncos team, who for two and a half quarters, everyone's staring at the television saying, wow, they might be the worst team in football. Like, it cannot get worse than the Denver Broncos right now. Well, it can if you're the Chicago Bears because they ultimately wind up losing the game. But one big decision that we can look back on, and and it's kind of going to, this is going to mar a generally positive Justin Fields day who's been under a lot of heat early this season. He's been made fun of by basically every analyst for, for his inability to develop so far as a passer, but Fields is 28 for 35, 335 yards, four touchdowns and a pick, a pick at the very end of the game. Let, let that be. He ran for 25 yards. He had a couple nice scram, uh, nice scrambles. It was a good Justin Fields day, but the bears had a fourth and one from the 18 yard line with about two minutes, 40 seconds left somewhere around there two two fifty, And instead of kicking the field goal to go up 31, 28, they go for it and get stuffed. And you can look back on that and say, is that a Matt Eberfluss error error? Should they have yes. just kick the field goal and go up? 
some people some people like trying to win the game right there because you basically guarantee a win if you get it. It's fourth and one. I question why you don't give the ball to Justin Fields. But in hindsight, it's easy to look back. In that moment where you were saying kick the field goal, Look, I'm a fan. People talk about analytics, and sometimes when they say analytics, they mean go for it on fourth down. What analytics is is making evidence-based decisions, and very rarely, but sometimes, it does say kick the field goal, and this was one of those times. And, Paul, you undersold just how bad this was. It was bad. Right, so there's three minutes left. It's fourth and short. Game's tied. First, they tried to get the Broncos to jump, and the Broncos didn't jump, and they called the timeout. Then they go for it. Even when they should kick a field goal, it's 35 yards. The numbers say kick the field goal. They don't, and they don't get it. Then they give up a 47-yard pass. Then they give up the field goal. <laughs> then they, yeah, lose. they lose the game. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it was, I mean, crazy. I I, I know everyone's going to be on Eberflus and say kick the field goal, get the points. I do get it. I really do. I, I like I like sometimes that decision of, hey, like let's win this thing here. And if they get it, great it's like hey we had some guts fields got the job done but it is easy to look back on it now and say man you know he got you down the field take the points you haven't won in a freaking year take the lead like denver's offense is not that good i know that they had success in the second half but get a stop so i look back on it i understand why he went for it i'm not gonna grill him like some people are like like you're very upset by this decision i'm not completely blown away but uh, again, ultimately, it does cost them the game here. Who knows? The Bears probably doink it off the uh, the crossbar or something like that, the goalpost. But nonetheless, an encouraging day as a Bears fan. It's just another loss, and we'll see. When are they going to win? I don't know. For the Broncos, uh, as far as they're concerned, awesome comeback win. I still think this team is pretty bad. Um, you know, took a crazy comeback effort against what many people think is the worst team in football. But you got to win finally if you're Sean Payton, and we'll see. Maybe. Maybe this could be the spark of a little run in Denver. I, I The defense is really bad, though. Their defense is bad. Offense can't really figure it out. Um, toilet Bowl wound up being pretty entertaining, though. Pretty entertaining. And let's well, so, close... Uh, sorry, do you have one more thought? Well, you, you know Aristotle. And he, he's... Uh, I, I uh, use the philosophy to on occasion. For. And uh, Aristotle said that virtue is a mean between an excess and a deficiency. So in the Bears today, we saw a deficiency of... Uh, We saw an excess of courage, rather, right? The Bears, should they have gone for it? No, they went for it recklessly, ignoring sort of the dangers. But on the other hand, you saw some cowardice today. Mm. Mm. And that was from old Riverboat Ron Rivera. Man, you are good at these transitions. Like, I don't know. I sit sit here in this chair and I, I sometimes I guide the show. But Ziggy really, he's really captaining the boat. I mean, this guy is amazing. Uh, Yeah, you're totally right. The commander's ultimately fall to the Eagles in overtime. But what a lot of people are going to look back on, Sam Howell, really with a a great performance in this game. He looked good most of the day. And a gutsy last-minute drive to to tie the game against Philadelphia. And after that, Washington scored the touchdown with no time on the clock. Jahan Dotson, he found him in the end zone. A lot of people are saying, should Ron Rivera go for two? You're down one point at Philly against the reigning Super Bowl representative from the NFC. Should you go for two and try and win that game? I looked at it and said, no, I would have actually kicked the field goal. And I, that, that is a little bit of cowardice. Absolutely. But in overtime, you got the stop. You got the ball back. And you, all you needed was the field goal. So I, I was okay with the decision to kick it uh, because they had their opportunity and they missed it. You, on the other hand, though, you are very upset with that one as well, right? 
So first of all, you go for two there because they don't have a better than 50% chance of winning in overtime. But set that aside. The play that really bothers me actually was that fourth and five in overtime when they didn't go for it. Okay, so you were unhappy with multiple calls. from. Rivera. Yeah, I mean, look, here, here's the thing with Rivera, right? And like, I understand what you're thinking, but as much as you want to hype up your own team, you want to say, we're good, we can take care of business, we're just as good as anyone we play. You're not better than Philly. The Washington Commanders are the worst team here, and you have to know that as a coach. And if you are the worst team, then when things start to break your way, you have to take advantage of that. Right, You push the game to the chance where you have a spot to win on a two-point conversion. you got to go for it. It's overtime. You have a, re- a convertible fourth down. You have to go for it and try and keep things going because the Eagles' offense is going to just put together a drive and score on field goal. It's only a matter of time. Man, you know what? I'm sitting here thinking about it. That two-point conversion, Eagles are a lot better. I think I'm still okay with like, the look, kick, Say man, you I got mean, a 50. 50- yeah, like... like if you're on the road, go win the game. Because you know, and a Philly fan an, or an Eagles fan watching that, they're sitting back saying, please don't go for two. Please don't go for two. Please don't go for two. Because if, no. if, if you tried out the offense there, like you have your chance in that moment. Get your best play out and win the damn football game. Yeah, Paul. So say, does this sound reasonable to you? Eagles have a 60-40 chance of uh, winning in overtime? Yeah, I think that sounds So fair. Eagles have a 60-40 chance. Let's say it's 50% on the two-point conversion, 100% on the extra point, right? Yep. We're just setting up basic numbers here. If you kick the feet, if you kick the extra point, you have a 40% chance to win. If you go for the two-point conversion, you have a 50% chance to win. Nope, you're right. You, you convinced you're me. just getting 10% right there. That's it. It doesn't, like, ta- it doesn't take much to convince me. No, you're, you're, they, they look, I just know if I were an Eagle fan, I, I dread when teams have tied the Vikings before, the last thing in the world I want is for them to go for two and win the game. Because you're on the back foot. You're nervous. Yeah. You're scared. They got a chance to win. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, they probably should have. I, I don't I don't mind it, but they probably should have. I mean, statistically, they probably should have as well. But, yep, Eagles find a way to win. I mean, good teams find a way to win these these football games. It's, that, that's sort of what separates the top-tier teams from yeah, the average. I mean, look at even yeah. college football. Georgia found oh. a way to beat Auburn this weekend in Jack's cap. Like, Great teams are capable of mind control. Notre Dame. And bad teams aren't. Takes care of business at the end against Duke. So, yeah, there you go. There's uh, there's week one. I will just say, finally a Vikings win. Not sure I'm really happy about it, but we did take down the Panthers, as expected, because, you know, why would we commit to either sucking or being really good when we could just be in the middle? It's, it's the worst place to be, and that's where the Vikings usually find themselves. Um, any final takeaways here, Ziggy? We'll be back. Not sure when our next recording will be. We might have another uh, a midweek show coming out this week, though. I'll say this much. Um, I think it's an exciting time to be watching NFL games, right? It's only week four, but a lot of things that we were thinking at the start of the season have gone wrong. The rookie quarterbacks have looked great. The AFC North is wide open, right? The Rams are good. Like lots of preseason narratives. The Lions finally look like they're putting things together. Yeah, sick like, and tired of that. A lot of the preseason narratives that folks had about how things were going to go have just been shown wrong up to this point. And this is why you play the games, right? My favorite thing in the football season isn't watching like see like seeing the Chiefs be good just doesn't get me excited. Right. Like I know they're good. I know they're gonna win games. It's the things you don't expect, like the Dolphins offense putting up 70, like the Texans blowing out the Steelers. That's what makes me excited. And we're seeing a whole lot of that this year. So I'm looking forward to what we're going to get for the rest of the NFL season.
Yeah. And we got a good week coming up. Yeah. I mean, hey, and, and later tonight, we have Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift from MetLife. We got okay, to, that's not very hey, exciting. Just remember the first first week of the season when we had that Giants Sunday night, Jets Monday night back to back in New York, did not go particularly well for the New York teams. I mean, Paul, have you seen next week? There were some great games. I have not looked ahead to next week's schedule too far, but uh, I believe we have Vikings Chiefs, right? You got Vikings Chiefs. You got Forty right. ers Cowboys, Eagles Rams, Colts Titans, Jags Bills. There's a few good games. Jags on the Bills. Slate. That's the London game. Jags Bills are in London. Yeah, that's game. my bad. So, yeah, but no, so you might really, think Jags really Bills games. isn't going to be close, but it's the Jags at home plus. It's better than being at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're gray in, ja- in, in Jacksonville. They're gray in London. We said that. So yeah, we should have a great week five and uh, yeah, great time to be a football fan. Big Notre Dame win, big Viking win. Not too bad. We'll take it. All right, and we will see you uh, later this week. We're not sure yet what the schedule will be, but we'll try. Maybe we'll try and squeeze one in midweek. Hey, That'd Paul, how, how about you tell Colin Coward to uh, defer to the real sports podcasts? Yep. Let us uh, run our shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, yeah. sorry, you're employed by Colin Coward. Colin, love your stuff. You're great. I'd never say anything bad about you. Yeah, we're coming for your head. Oh my God, <laughs> I might have to cut that. All right, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Paul Farrington Show.